0: Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and before we get to our text verses, let me just give you the reminder of these announcements, the sign-up sheet for the meals for the Ryan family. Uh, see that on the bulletin board, please, for this next week. I think there's one or two spots, at least there was last time I looked. Um, also, today is the last day for ladies to sign Christmas cards for the missionary wives, so please do that. Um, there needs to be a meeting with parents right after church for regarding Christmas program schedules. We'll just do that in, the fellowship hall. in the fellowship hall with Brother Caleb. Parents, please. And, um, and pray for our Christmas program. We have a lot of work to do <laughs> in the next six weeks or so uh, to get ready for that. Okay. Um, also, just a, a thank you from the F- Edward Fort family. Thank you sincerely for sharing our sorrow, your kindness, and deeply appreciated and will always be remembered. We love and appreciate each of each one of you, your kind words of encouragement, and your prayers mean so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the flower bouquet, Job and Sabrina Fort. And that was to the church family. I just wanted to, uh, to read that to you. And also, Lord willing, I won't forget this. You can remind me if, if I'm not, but right, I want, I want to give you a prayer request or two uh, after our live stream is done uh, regarding uh, Noah George. So, um, right after I'm done preaching. I want to share that with you, okay? So remind me, somebody, if I forget. All right? Okay, Philippians chapter 4. And we've been in this series of messages regarding anxiety and finding calm in the middle of chaos or a chaotic world. And we've worked our way through from verse 4. And. Paul gives us a formula here for dealing with anxious thoughts. And the thrust of it all is verse 6, where this statement, be careful or anxious for nothing, is a hard statement. And it means exactly what you read. Uh, the word careful doesn't mean, uh, don't, it, it means don't be full of anxiety and don't be full of worry Don't be anxious over anything. And Paul gives the reasons why and how to deal with anxiety. But the truth is, is that many people live from day to day with worry and fear. Uh, People worry about their health and they'll worry about their money and they'll worry about their jobs and they'll worry a lot about what other people think. That's a real trap uh, to be uh, concerned with or motivated to behave or, or live a certain way based on what somebody else thinks. Letting people have power over us uh, is, is a, it's a sad place to be, a sad place to live. Worry and fear, they cause anxiety. Anxiety is a, a major issue, much greater than maybe we would imagine. Stress, torment creates instability in the life and That is not the will of God for His people. And Jesus, in talking to His disciples, made it very clear that He wanted them to experience His peace. And He said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's very clear what the will of Jesus Christ was, for his disciples, and it is his will for us as well. And it was stated earlier, living in worry in a constant state of anxiety uh, definitely can be and is uh, sin against the Lord, disobedience to God. It's not trusting God at its very core, that God is capable, that he's big enough, that that he understands And peace is something that the Lord wants to give. And Paul says in our text, in verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the main issue, is that. The peace of God is something that God gives that He wants His children to experience is the thing that we're missing, but the reason we're missing it is because of the anxiety and the anxiousness and the fear. Peace is not something that we even can conjure up ourselves. It's not the power of positive thinking. Um, It's not a feeling, even. According to Jesus... His peace is connected with His Spirit. His peace brings an untroubled heart. His peace is something that guards and protects the heart and the mind. And the peace of God that we're desiring is... A good definition of it would be quietness. It would be rest. It would be freedom from disturbance or agitation whether that's physical, whether or emotional or spiritual. Freedom from disturbance, rest, inner calm in the midst of outer storm. So it's not a removal of all the problems of your life, and I just live this utopia. No, it's the calm that the Lord can bring in spite of the trouble going on on the outside. And that brings us to verse 8. And that's going to be our text for today. And verse 8 speaks of another element in experiencing God's perfect peace. And it has to do with what we think about. And so we talk about how worry and fear and anxiety, and that's not supposed to be in our life. And we were in Matthew 6 this morning in Sunday school, which we're going to go back there again in a little bit this afternoon. And we find that we should not be anxious and we should not be fretting and we should not be fearful. But you know what? It's not a switch that we just turn off. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a formula, there's, a, there's something that God gives you to not, and not just turn off a switch, but to replace those anxious thoughts and those worry and fearful thoughts with something else that enables us to experience the peace of God. And so, we look at verse 8 and we read this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You want to not start... Living in worry and fear, fill your mind up with the right things first. That's where we're going to go this afternoon in our message. The title of the message is, Think About What You Think About. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us with your word here again. Lord, encourage us and challenge us with these truths. They are very helpful in the Christian life, and Lord, I pray that you'd use them today. In Jesus' name, amen what i want to the main point that i want to bring out we really only have one in this message and this the main point is this and here's the main thought the whole thesis of the message is you can pick what you ponder you can choose what you think about is what that means verse 8 says paul is saying to these brethren finally here's the conclusion I'm drawing a conclusion to this this whole idea that we've been talking about. You want the peace of God? Uh, Don't be anxious over anything. You need to rejoice in the Lord. You need to have a thankful heart. You need to let the Lord know what your concerns are, but you also need to fill your mind up with the right things. And so here's the conclusion, brethren. Whatever is true... And whatever is honest and whatever is just and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely, those things that are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. The implication here is that we have a choice in what we think about. There are a lot of things in life that we have no control over. You didn't choose when you would be born. You didn't choose your birthday you don't choose where you're born. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose your siblings. There's a lot of things you don't have control over and things you don't choose. We don't control or choose the weather. (laughs) We don't control how cold it's gonna get this winter and we definitely don't control how long winter's gonna go in Alaska. And how much snow is going to fall. We don't control any of that stuff. However, there are things that we can control. And we can direct the mental traffic that goes on in our brains. The mental traffic that goes on in our world. There are thoughts that are circling all the time. There are thoughts that are circling above. They're coming. They're going in and out. If a thought lands in your mind, it's because you gave it permission to. If it leaves, it's because you told it to. You directed it to. We can select our thought patterns. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep, keep, guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The word heart in Proverbs 4 is talking about the will, it's talking about our feelings, and it even refers to our intellect. And he says to keep it, to guard your intellect, to guard your your heart, because out of it are the issues of life. That word issues, it means boundaries or borders. And you want to have some some control or some, some peace and some calm. He says, keep your heart and your intellect, because out of that are the borders and the boundaries of your life. You want to feel out of control? You want to feel lost? You want to feel full of anxiety outside the borders it comes with not guarding your heart and your mind and here let me make an application with this because here's here's the reality I'm going to be super practical if you want happiness in your life tomorrow then you need to sow the seeds of it today You you need to count your blessings today. You need to read the Bible today. You need to sing hymns uh, that are filled with a message concerning God and His goodness. You need to pray and spend time with the Lord. You need to spend time with encouraging people in order to have the right seeds planted for tomorrow's outcome. You want to guarantee tomorrow's misery? Wallow in the mental mud of self-pity. Wallow in the mental mud of guilt and anxiety today and guarantee tomorrow's misery. Assume the worst about everything. Beat yourself up over failures. Rehearse regrets over and over and over again. Complain to complainers and you're going to guarantee tomorrow's misery. Why are we filled with worry? Why are we filled with anxiety and filled with anxious thoughts? Because we rehearse the same things over and over and over again. I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. Oftentimes we tell ourselves lies and we believe those lies and we keep telling the same lies, we keep believing the same lies, and it creates a pattern in our life of tomorrow. You want to win over anxiety? It requires healthy thinking. Paul says the conclusion here, brethren, is this. You need to think on the right things, and you have a choice. There's a story I read about a young girl and her mother. And it goes like this. In her short 13 years, Rebecca Taylor has endured more than 55 surgeries and medical procedures in approximately 1,000 days in the hospital. Kristen, Rebecca's mom, talks about her daughter's health complications with the ease of a surgeon. The vo- vocabulary of most moms includes phrases such as too much fast food, slumber parties, and too much time on the phone. Kristen knows this language But she's equally fluent in the vernacular of blood cells, stents, and most recently, a hemorrhagic stroke. In her blog, she wrote this. She said this past week's new landmine was a phrase, possible hemorrhagic stroke. A phrase I heard dozens of times, used by numerous physicians. Over and over and over again, that phrase filled my mind and consumed my thoughts. I was anxious and it was emotionally crippling. I was reminded by my pastor of the promise of Philippians 4.7, that we don't have to be full of care, but the peace of God which passes understanding could keep my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus, but that I needed to take it to Him in prayer. I presented my request to the Lord, as I had so many times before. But this time, this time, I needed something more. And so using Philippians 4.8 as a guide, I found my answer. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. What was true in my life at this particular moment? The thing that was true in my life right now was the blessing of all my family members eating dinner together. Whatsoever things are honest, it means honorable or noble. What was honorable or noble in my life at the moment? Well, the blessing of enjoying each other's presence, even outside of a hospital room. Whatsoever things are just. What was just and right in my life this moment? Well, the blessing of experiencing my two sons and their daily lives. Whatsoever things are pure, the blessing of hearing all three of my children laughing with each other was something pure and innocent. Whatsoever things are lovely, the blessing of watching Rebecca finally sleep peacefully in her bed. Whatsoever things are of good report. The blessing of watching an honorable team working tirelessly on Rebecca's care. If there be any virtue or any praise, the blessing of watching a miracle unfold before my eyes and worshiping a God who is worthy of that praise. Think about such things. I did, as I meditated on these things, I stopped the dreaded phrase, hemorrhagic stroke, from sucking all the joy out of my life. Its power to produce anxiety was now rendered impotent. And when I dwelt on the bountiful blessings in my life happening at this very moment, the peace of God that passes understanding did guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. A true Unexpected miracle. Thank you, Lord. Kristen's story is not really unlike our own sometimes. We may not face the same circumstances as she was going through with her daughter, but we certainly can fall into the same trap. The words hemorrhagic stroke, they hovered over her. Like a rain cloud of a really bad storm, just continuing to stay in the same place. And yet, she stopped the dreaded phrase from sucking the joy out of her life by putting to practice these principles of thought management. Instead of focusing on the problem, instead of focusing on the hemorrhagic stroke and all of the the troubles and health issues of her daughter, she began to count her blessings. What was really true in her life at this moment? And what I'm saying is, we can choose what we think on. We all face challenges, but you know what? Your challenge is not your real challenge. Your real challenge is the way that you think about it. We all face problems, but the real problem is not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is the way that we look at the problem. And you know what? Satan knows this. He, he, Satan's always trying to mess with your mind. There's a reason why the Bible says that the peace of God keeps your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. He's always trying to mess with your mind. John 10.10 10 tells us that he's a thief. And he's a thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your life, destroy your ability to experience God in your life and to bring glory to the Lord with your life. The devil is only going to bring doom and gloom. And he wants you to stay right there because he wants you in the pit of despair. He wants you full of anxiety. He wants you worrying. He seeks to convince you, and maybe you felt this way before. You can be honest with me. You can raise your hand if you want to. He seeks to convince you that it's hopeless and there's no possibility of light. There's no hope for the future. This whole thing is a big, giant mess, and there's no answer for it. And so what happens? Exaggerated, overstated, inflated, irrational thoughts begin to fill our mind and that is the devil's playground. That's his specialty. When we are living in anxiety, what is it? What did we say it is? It's a world of what ifs, right? Well, what if this, and what if that? And it leads to this, and then what about that? And what about this? And we live in this world of what ifs, this cycle and this pattern, and they become exaggerated problems, they become overstated problems, they become inflated and often irrational. Because none of it's true yet. (laughs) Hasn't even happened yet. Right? But we think it's going to. He's the master deceiver. But he doesn't have to master your mind. We have the power. We have a power that he cannot defeat. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ on our side. Paul says to think about... What you think about. Think on the right things. The word think in verse 8. So he talks about all of these different things. And we're going to go through them in just a little bit. We won't break every one of them down in depth. We could be here for a long time. But he says, think on these things. The word think, it comes from the Greek word logizomai. It means to meditate. It's where we get our English word logic from. Okay? So follow this. It's where we get our English word logic from. You understand what logic or reason is. This word deals in realities. All right? This is important. It deals in realities. If I logizumai think or reckon that my bank account has $25 in it, it actually has. 25 dollars in it if i think or say something different i'm deceiving myself right we're talking about realities here and logic the word refers to facts not suppositions and so paul's point is very simple anxiety in your life those are suppositions those are not factual we're dealing in realities here. And so anxiety is best faced with clear-headed, logical, realistic thinking. Okay, i am you need to stay with me, stay with me. Are you following this? Clear-headed, logical, realistic thinking. So let me ask you a question. Do you have trouble controlling your thoughts? Do you get stuck in a pattern of worry and fear about potential things that haven't happened yet? Okay? And if this leads to this, then that leads to that, and that leads to this, and that leads to that, and then boom, it's all hopeless. We're dealing in realities, though, not suppositions. Do you have trouble controlling your thoughts? Let me tell you this, God cares where your head is at. How do your thoughts stack up against this list that we see in verse 8? What kinds of things control your thoughts? What kinds of things do you think about? A lot of worry in life and a lot of stress in life and a lot of problems that result from it all start in the mind and... Some of it, and maybe a lot of it, would never be a thing if we controlled the things we were thinking about. Anxiety says, what if this? And if that, then what about this? Often imagining the worst, causing us to feel sad, causing us to feel discouraged. So our thoughts are now affecting our moods. You following me? Proverbs 12 and verse 25 says, Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. <laughs> Heavy thoughts, anxious thoughts, this constant trap and this pattern, this, this rehearsing over and over and over again, what does it make you feel when you're all done, before you're done? Hopeless, discouraged, defeated heaviness in the heart of a man make if it stoop we often believe the lies that come into our heads what is it that most people do well we start imagining scenarios and we play out those imaginary scenarios and then we start imagining the worst And we start feeling a certain way. And now I'm feeling hopeless and I'm feeling worthless and I'm feeling like there's not much that's that's good in my life and I'm not experiencing any joy. And we start to tell ourselves things that are actually not true things and we believe lies. Paul's point is that you have power that Satan cannot defeat because we've got Jesus Christ on our side. And it starts, much of it starts in our mind. What is Paul saying to us? What's the first thing that Paul says? Look at it in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Think on these things. Whatsoever things are true. So ask yourself, whatever issue that you're facing whatever thing that plagues you, whatever thing that you imagine or think about a lot that brings heaviness into your heart, ask yourself this. Is the source of anxiety, first of all, is it really true? It's a great question because you need to identify, am I imagining this Are these imaginary scenarios that I'm playing out? Am I forward thinking about the what ifs going on and they've never actually happened? Is the thing, the source of anxiety, is it actually a true thing? Well, no, it hasn't happened yet. Then don't dwell on it. Stop thinking about it. Amen? Second question is, if this thing... This source of anxiety, if it has become a reality in my life, if it has happened, well, let me back up, let me back up before I get to that. So we said, is the source of anxiety really true? But the second question then is, has this become a reality or is it something that might happen or something that I'm imagining to be true? If it hasn't happened yet, then don't dwell on it. On the other hand... If the source of anxiety is a reality, then what we should do is make a list of other things that are true that are actually good things. All right? So Paul is saying, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. Well, this anxiety is true. This thing is a reality in my life. Okay. Let's make a list of other things that are also true, but are, that are good things. And let's understand that those things are just as true as the mountains that I'm thinking are true in my life. Does that make sense? So now we've got a choice. We've got a list. This anxiety is true in my life, but there's all these other things that are also true things that are good things. Now I have a choice. Which one of these things is gonna dominate my thinking? Make sense? So number one, is it actually true? Well, no, it's not true. It's imagined, it hasn't happened yet. Don't dwell on it, don't think on it. Number two, if it is true, okay, let's also think about other things that are equally true and good. Now, what am I gonna choose to allow to dominate my thinking? Does that make sense? Okay, what am I gonna let be a priority in my mind? You've heard the saying before, You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you sure can keep a bird from building a nest in your hair. You understand what that means? Sometimes there are thoughts that you can't stop or that you can't control. They come in, but you sure can choose whether or not you're going to let it make a nest there and stay there. Amen? You do have the power to choose. Now, secondly, beyond that, it's not just denying negative thoughts. It's not just keeping negative thoughts out of our mind. It's also replacing them. Do you follow that? So I can say, oh, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to let that come into my mind. I'm not going to let it dominate. It's more than just denying negative thoughts. It's replacing them with the right ones. Paul says, here are the things that you need to meditate on. Whatsoever things are true. The word true, it means truth. What is truth, friend? For the saints of God, what is truth? The word of God. God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Here we go. Right now, here's the first thing that you need to put into your mind. God's word. Think on things that are true. Whatsoever things are honest, the word means honorable, noble. Now, these are not always just spiritual things. There could be other things that aren't necessarily spiritual in their nature, but they're still honorable and noble things. Whatsoever things are just, it means equitable, it means fair. Whatsoever things are pure, it means clean, it means innocent, Whatsoever things are lovely, it means friendly towards. Whatsoever things are of good report, it means reputable or well-spoken of. Think on things that are reputable and well-spoken of. If there be any virtue, it means excellence. It means that which is praiseworthy. If there be any praise, it means that which is commendable. Those last two, the virtue and the praise, they sort of give a summary of what Paul has already said. And that is that we Christians are to put our minds on things that are of moral excellence and things that the heart can praise, replacing the negativity with that which can be praised. It really does matter what you let into your mind. So let me just give you a couple practical ways in which to deliberately dwell On that which is excellent because this isn't we need to understand these are not just concepts these are real life things let me tell you this i was put into this situation this week this last week i was literally put into this situation where the lord said to me and the spirit of god convicted me hey you need to start practicing what you preach all this stuff that you're studying about here it is right now let me let me work this in your life too And there was a situation in which I was thinking about certain things. I was imagining the worst to be true. I was believing lies as I start to conjure them up in my head with no evidence that they're actually true things. It started to affect my mood. I'm getting crabby about this certain thing that I don't even know is actually true. I'm assuming it's true. And it's created this reality in my mind that it's a false reality. I got convicted about it. Okay, wait a second. This is consuming your thoughts. Is this a good thing? This is a negative thing in your life. It's consuming your thoughts. It's causing you to start to be upset and angry and irritated about other things. It's causing you to respond wrong in all these other areas. Is this thing actually true? Well, I don't know if it is. Then you're imagining it to be true. Well, yeah. This is the conversation I'm having in my head. I guess so. Then stop thinking about it. But I don't want to. I want to wallow in this. I want to feel some self-pity. Is what you're thinking about true? Well, I don't really know then stop letting it control you. Well, is it honest? Is it lovely? Is it well-spoken of? Is it virtuous? Is it praiseworthy? Well, no. None of those things are actually true about this. Then you see your problem. That was the whole conversation I was having in my head. Then I had to admit it after that. That was hard to admit it. And then once I admitted it, then it was like, okay, what are you going to do to fix it? Well, we have to replace it. We have to replace those negative thoughts with something that is actually virtuous, full of excellence, and praise, worthy. And what I'm saying here is this. There are actual practical principles and realities here to draw from this that we can put to practice in our life. And I'm telling you, friends, when I started to do it, And when I started to get my mind straight with actual, logical, reasonable thinking and started filling my mind back up with God's word, guess what? The anxiety went away. So did the crabbiness. My mood changed. And it was like, hey, you actually can control what you think about. Think on the right things. So what are some practical ways in which to deliberately dwell on that which is excellent? First of all, number one, there needs to be honest self-evaluation. This is what I was saying. I had to admit it. I had to have this conversation in my head. I had to admit that where I was wrong. There needs to be some honest self-evaluation. We've got to evaluate where we are allowing bad thoughts to contaminate our minds. And questions need to be asked of ourselves like this. Questions like this. What am I feeding into my mind right now? What is it that I'm feeding into my mind? What am I feeding into my mind regularly? Also, what are the circumstances in which I find myself with these negative thought patterns the most? A lot of times there's something connected in life. There's something out here that is affecting the way that I think. And I have to ask myself, what are the circumstances that I find myself in when these negative thought patterns present themselves the most often? That might be an issue. It might be something we need to address because it's causing the negative thought patterns. Another question, am I diligent and intentional about feeding that which is good into my mind? Or am I constantly believing the lies that I keep telling myself? Some honest self-evaluation is necessary. Secondly, we also need to practice at training our minds. Not just honest self-evaluation, but we need to practice at training our minds. If the Christian is to to substitute bad thoughts with good thoughts, it involves disciplining my mind to think Christ-like thoughts after him. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because here's here's why it's important and here's what the truth is. We can't be worrying and full of anxiety and thinking Christ-like thoughts at the very same time. They don't coexist. They can't. They can't fill the same space. We can't be worrying and full of anxiety and be thinking Christ-like thoughts at the same time. Note this. And ask yourself the question, and maybe I'll answer the question at least in, in part, how do we train our minds for Christ? So we have to have some honest self-evaluation. but We also need to train our minds to think the right way. How do we train our minds for Christ? First of all, we need to develop the right kind of habits. This is really critical and important and really practical. Develop the right kind of habits. What kind of habits are we talking about here? You know what? We should read our Bible devotionally, and we should do it daily. Many of us don't but we should. We should meditate and memorize Scripture so that we can cleanse our mind. It's the washing of water by the Word that cleanses the mind. We need to train our minds. How do we do that? We need to be in God's Word regularly. We should read Christian books. We should listen to sermons or Christian podcasts. We should listen to things that are actually feeding the soul. We should listen to God-honoring music that has a strong message to it that's going to edify and build up the Christian life. Now, does that mean we should never read a secular book? Does that mean we should never listen to any other kind of music? No, it's not saying that those things shouldn't have any place in your life, but it does mean that we ought to be very careful to build the Christian mind and not tear it down. The mind has to be trained to think God's thoughts after him. We've got to saturate our mind with that which is good. Now, go to Matthew chapter 6. And we'll look at, just briefly, these same verses that were covered in Sunday school. And we don't need to break them all down So I'll cut this a bit short. But Jesus is teaching us something about how we ought to think instead of worrying or being anxious. Matthew chapter 6 again, and look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field." how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So then you've come to the word wherefore. And when you see the word wherefore, you need to go back and find out what it's there for. Well, we just read what it's there for. So he says, if all of this is true, then this is also going to be true. So here's the conclusion. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In verse 25, Jesus tells us rather bluntly, Take no thought. It's actually the same word as found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 that is translated as careful, which means anxious for nothing. So Jesus is using the same word. He says, don't be anxious. Take no thought. Don't be full of care over anything. In other words, Jesus says, don't have anxiety over these things. And then he gives us two commands. The two commands are behold and consider. Look at verse 26. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your... That's verse 25. Verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? The word behold means to look. Just take a look at this. He tells us to look at the birds of the air. And when we do, we notice how happy they seem to be. Have you ever seen a bird that was full of anxiety and grumpy and crabby and treating all the other birds nasty because of all the crab maybe? Like we don't really know what's going on in their heads. Maybe they're just fighting over food. It could be a a couple. They could be married. So it's, who knows? But in reality, you don't see the birds frowning. You don't see the birds grumpy or cranky. They don't appear to be sleep-deprived and lonely. Birds are whistling. Birds are singing. Birds are soaring. They're living their life. And you know what? They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. They don't drive tractors and combines and harvest wheat. But they don't look like they're not cared for, do they? Does God feed them? He does. And so then Jesus asks a question. Don't you think that you're of greater importance to God than they are? And then he says, consider. Look at verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Basically, by the same token, the lilies don't do anything. Even though their lifespan is really short, God dresses them up for the red carpet. Their appearance is spectacular. God displays them and makes them ready for the red carpet. And even Solomon, the richest king in history, wasn't arrayed like these. So for the sake of time, what's the point? The point is this. When we saturate our minds with the goodness of God, because God shows a lot of goodness with the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, God displays goodness to you and your life all the time. And when we saturate our mind with the goodness of God, we can easily disarm anxiety in the life. We take the power to produce anxiety away when we stockpile our mind with all thoughts of a good God. Well, that went over flat. It's awesome. It's powerful. God is so good to you. He's so good to me. And if I just start stockpiling my mind and filling my mind with the goodness of God, there's no more room for the things that are going to tear down my Christian life. The power to produce anxiety is made impotent. Draw logical conclusions. Draw the logical implications in all of this. If birds and flowers fall into the category of God's care, isn't He going to care for me too? So what am I worrying about? And then we apply all the other principles. We celebrate God's goodness. We bring our cares to the Lord we, we, in prayer and supplication. We have a heart full of thankfulness to God. And I think about the right things in my life. And guess what? The peace of God that passes understanding starts to guard and to keep my mind. Colossians 3.2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. John 8, 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? The truth makes you free from fear. It makes you free from dread. It makes you free from lies. And yes, it can make you free from anxiety in your life. The result is a peace or a calm which comes from God who knows the end from the beginning, who does all things right, who does all things well, and who will not permit into your life anything that will not work for for our good and His glory. Truth. Period. Let me finish by telling you the rest of the story about Kristen Taylor. Kristen Taylor discovered this very calmness that Philippians talks about. A calmness that comes from God. The story went on to say that she and her family went back to Rebecca's doctor in Minnesota seven months, or the one that they had been to seven months earlier. And seven months earlier, Rebecca was barely surviving. Now, one day before her 13th birthday, Rebecca was vibrant and full of life. She had gained all of her weight back. She had lost 35 pounds. Her health was improving by the day. She was named the hospital's walking miracle. And Christian wrote these words, She said, I watched these interactions with a silent sense of awe. It's easy to praise God during seasons of wellness. But it was during my greatest distress when I felt the Lord's presence poured upon me. And it was in those heartbreaking moments that I learned to trust this God who provided unimaginable strength During unimaginable pain, a peace that passes all understanding, that keeps your heart and your mind. And she said this at the end She said, He will help you as well, my friend. Guard your thoughts and trust your Father. You can choose what you think about, you can pick what you ponder. Do you let those negative thoughts just continually saturate your mind and take you in circles in this pattern of negativity? Or choose to stop the negative thoughts and start believing the things that are actually true and things that are right and fill our mind with those things. That is a choice that we make. And when we do... The Lord promises a peace that passes understanding. This goes far beyond just where we live in our own life, like how I feel about things. It goes far beyond that because now it reaches out into a testimony to a world out there who needs to see and know that there is hope. And the answer is Jesus Christ. They don't see it in you. They don't see it in me. They're never going to see it right? Thank the Lord that his word gives us the answers. Yeah, Jesus says, stop, don't worry. But the Lord also goes on and says, here's how you deal with it. Here's how you handle it. What you think about makes all the difference in the world. You do ever want to start? Then put the right things in your mind. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word now and encourage us and challenge us with these thoughts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.